This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by DreamWorks Pictures, presenting Bridge of Spies, starring Tom Hanks and directed by Steven Spielberg. Manola Dargis of the New York Times hails Bridge of Spies as a gravely moody, perfectly directed thriller, a consummate entertainment that sweeps you up with pure cinema, and Anthony Lane of The New Yorker calls the film a dazzling composition. Tom Hanks stars as James Donovan, an insurance claim salesman from Brooklyn who finds himself thrust into the center of the Cold War when the CIA enlists his support to negotiate the release of a captured American YouTube pilot. Currently rated 98% fresh among top critics on Rotten Tomatoes, Bridge of Spies is now in theaters. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief film critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson from Thompson and Hollywood, and we've got a lot to go through this week because the Spirit nominations, Independent Spirit nominations, came out this morning, even earlier than we expected to because they popped up online, and um, we were just going through them and trying to figure out, you know, how do you assess this in the context of Oscar season, et cetera, et cetera. But what I found to be kind of exciting and different was, I mean, I've given the spirits a hard time over the last few years of mimicking the Oscars too much, and I, I really like all of the movies that are nominated for Best Feature, and they feel very different. Anomalisa, Beast of No Nation, Carol, Tangerine, and Spotlight. Okay, it's fine, so Spotlight's in there, but that's not a bad movie, and if anything, it feels like a nice kind of complimentary serving to the Gotham nominations, don't you think? I think that the indies are looking really good this year, and um, what I what I went when I went through you know doing my obligatory you know what what are the Oscar contenders versus the ones that are not, um, I, it was struck me that they did what they're supposed to do. They they gave a lot of attention to the movies that need the most help, and uh, even though Spotlight is a front runner and Carol is looking really strong, I might add. Uh, at this point, and um, and Anomalisa got a nice big boost um, at the expense of some films like Room, which you know, or End of the Tour. I mean, they got nominations in the acting categories and, and screenwriting, but it, they didn't get the big top five. Tangerine, your favorite, <laughs> you and like it too. Let's I do, forget. I do, and Beasts of No Nation. Yeah. Um, you know, got in, and that's great. Yeah, and, and Anomalisa, which hasn't e- even opened yet and uh, is probably the most kind of bizarre selection from the award season crop, although maybe this does bode well for movies like that. Wouldn't you say? I mean, does Anomalisa... This helps. I mean, this helps a movie like that. All that has to happen for a movie to get an Oscar nomination is for it to become a must-see, for people to check it out, you know, and to have enough... It could be 300 people who love Anomalisa so much that they put it at number one on their ballot. That's what has to happen. It's Those are how small the numbers are. You know, there's 6,000 people, and the way that it works is they have to love something. So even if a lot of people don't like, you know, Son of Saul, if enough people love it, which I can tell they do from just all the kind of canvassing I'm doing around town, you know, things like that can really advance. And that got a nomination today, too. I kind of love how, on. I mean, even though it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a strange choice, the spirits don't let the people on their nominating committee say that they're on the nominating committee. It's a completely mysterious process. But these are obviously people in the independent film scene making certain deliberate choices. So unlike the Oscar nominations, 
you're actually looking at some kind of strategy here. And I would assume that even something like Room being excluded from Best Feature would be a part of that on some level. Yeah, well, you know, I was I was looking at that. Both Room and End of the Tour have done some three million in box office already. So in the indie world, you know, they're considered big hits. Um, you know, they're not that big, and Room is going to be bigger. But they they've they've registered. For example, I checked on the grosses for Beasts of No Nation and and. Uh, you know, Mississippi Grind, who's Ben Mendelssohn, got a nomination, and, uh, you know, and uh, Tangerine. And these are very small grosses because a lot of these films did more on VOD. And that just brings up a whole other question of how, you know, box office success and is a measure of how many people saw something, whereas we don't know. Well, I mean, in the case of Beast of a Nation, we do. Right. Three million at the beginning. But in, in the end, we don't know how many people saw uh, on VOD you know, Tangerine or, or Mississippi Grind or, or, or uh, something like, you know, James White, you know. But what I like about that is that for years, those kinds of titles have been ghettoized by one category at the Independent Spirit Awards, which is the John Cassavetes Award. That category has some strong movies in there, heaven knows what, which we actually nominated for Best Film at the Gothams, as well as Cresha, which has an open yet and one South by Southwest, and Christmas Again, which is a very sweet sort of lo-fi holiday movie but no something like tangerine would have been the obvious favorite to win the cassavetes section if it had been in there but it's almost like it, it has graduated beyond that status by being in the best film category you know it makes you wonder what the cassavetes category is in relation to the spirits in general but also that maybe more people are seeing something like tangerine or something like uh uh, some you know some of the other films that that seem to be getting that exposure, Beast of No Nation, than uh, than we may realize. What this really reveals, I mean, I loved the fact that they gave Jennifer Jason Lee, you know, a supporting nomination for Anomalisa, for you know, for work, a voice right. work, right? Yeah. Which is a this just showcases and highlights, and obviously the group that you're talking about were well aware of this. The people who voted that for that, well aware that they want to make a distinction between the forward thinking you know universe of the indie spirits and the backward and you know uh old school uh academy because we're really in that universe the academy is not forward thinking about digital it's not forward thinking you know resists animation it's incredibly live action oriented you know it, it it creates an animation ghetto so anomalisa you know is deserves to be taken seriously as a movie whether it's animated or not and it disturbs me to recognize that the academy is likely to be sticking it in the old ghetto that it where they think it belongs also i just like that there are so many wild cards here that it's unlikely we'll see something akin to previous years where say the artist a french movie really a french production sweeps the spirits almost as a run-up to its oscar night it just that was the weinsteins being incredible they were very you see ever since that happened and ever since everybody protested so vociferously the spirits are being a little more responsive to their membership and to the people who were disturbed by that because they made it very clear if you're a foreign financed movie you're not going to be eligible you're you're only eligible for like the danish girl or suffragette you're only eligible and i suspect amy as well you're only eligible for the um you know foreign contention 
Yeah, I, I hope that that's, this is really reflecting some serious consideration on this front, much in the way that Gotham's talked about, you know, films have to be represented by an economy of means in order to, to qualify and so forth, because you could still get the sponsors, you can still get the stars in the room, but at the end of the day, this should be an expansion of what we're celebrating rather than a reflection of what the Oscars are going to celebrate the next day, unless we're living in some idyllic world where the Oscars are a pure reflection of quality, which that's a different conversation altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think I think they did a good job this year. I think it's a, it's an excellent list. Um, I noticed, for example, that Broad Green has been doing some serious promotion of movies like um, 99 Homes, which was nominated here for Michael Shannon. They've been campaigning for him. Um, and then, uh, but not for Patricia Clarkson in, in uh, Learning to Drive, which I hated that ad campaign so much. Yeah, and, and uh yeah, and then the the other one uh, that they didn't get was you know the Sarah Silverman I smile back or or um, but I, I I don't think you know they're they're in a position of trying to put themselves on the map and support their filmmakers but they're spending a lot uh, to do it. I really like that that all of that has happened. I also think that um, the best international film category here is. is pretty intriguing because uh, A Pigeon Sat on a Branch Reflecting on Existence is a really wonderful film that... More I art still, film, yeah. yeah. But but I rewatched it recently and, and I really love it and it's nice to see that in the same category with these popular favorites, Mustang and Son of Saul. Both good movies, by the way. And Girlhood, which was got a really small release by Strand earlier this year. I didn't know how many people would even, have even seen it, but... These kind of things at least being sort of smuggled back into the conversation. I think that's really neat. Also, Which are not Oscar. The other, the others are all Oscar uh, um, submissions, whereas that one is not. Right. So this is sort of its, its real moment, final moment to shine. Then there's the Robert Altman Award, which is going to spotlight a movie that it totally makes sense in that category. It's the ensemble drama people like this year. But it also has what's, – what's unique about that is that it's it's getting that award instead of uh, acting nominated. I noticed that. Yeah. So. No, but it also means that they've won something. So they've already won that, right. and um, and it is a, a likely um, precursor to their winning the SAG Ensemble Award, which is clearly what they're going for here. They're trying. They're they're saying we're doing an ensemble campaign for a great ensemble, and we want to be rewarded in that in that guise. So it made perfect sense not to give up those slots to what is likely, you know, to be the front runner for the Oscar right now. Right. And then now I I have seen you know Creed is in the game and Revenant is in the game now. We we do have new. New players entering the scene, but it, it, um, it does seem like a, a, a bit of a, a crapshoot, though. Still, right? I mean, these are such disparate kinds of movies that play so wildly different to different kinds of people. Does that uh, make? It, well, the Academy is is a broad range of, of constituencies. It's it's a you know we've talked about this. You know, there's the mainstream Academy, and then there's the people who make you know beautiful costumes and 
art directors and cinematographers who are very sophisticated and 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 graphically oriented so so some one group of people is going to appreciate the revenant for its you know stunning vistas and and you know one group is going to appreciate its incredible acting or whatever and and creed is the same thing a more mainstream movie that works on a much more old-fashioned emotional kind of you know familiar basis but is still incredibly well done and the uh, idea of the revenant versus creed is i know you were having trouble with carol versus the martian last week (laughs) but i but i love this one even more because it's so dramatically different from the conversation we were having a few weeks ago i mean we can't go into too much detail about the revenant until that pesky review embargo lifts but reactions have been pretty strong and there's no question that this is a very skillful movie that's going to get some really terrific positive reactions from people and DiCaprio in particular in this kind of all is lost style performance not talking a lot surviving through all these grueling conditions it's or you could compare it to Tom Hanks and Castaway or even you know a little bit you know Matt Damon in The Martian you know exactly he can steal that he has to be ingenious enough to survive it these are both survival stories I was thinking about that I mean you know he has to figure out how to uh how not to freeze to death, and, right. you know, and so does so does Matt Damon. <laughs> well, it's, it's deja vu because and how year, not to starve to death, right? Well, the the year that I was lost was in the race. He also had Twelve Years a Slave and Gravity. So, I mean, these are stories that just they're they're innately dramatic in a lot of ways. And then it's just a question of what kind of drama do, are people going to be most responsive to? The one that's you know sort of more, I don't want to say sentimental, but maybe more classical, or the one that's doing this real in-your-face kind of cinematic storytelling, which is The Revenant, and it's going to be really fascinating to watch how reactions play out. I think Revenant's going to play really well for audiences, because it's just... I don't. uh, Well, we can't get into too much detail, but... I don't uh, agree with you there. I don't think that's a given at all. Well... I don't... I, I think that some audiences, yes, but is it Steve Jobs level audiences or is it well, you know jobs was i mean the, what, what remember the birdman all of enrich's movies to date every single one of them has been an art film he has not ever tried to function on a mainstream basis and well, i would not call this movie mainstream well the the sense that i get just from from looking at how perceptions of this movie are out there is that there's there's a fanboy contingency surrounding this movie, not because it's Inuritu, but because of the genre, because of DiCaprio, wounded, bloodied, wandering through the snow, kicking ass. It's a Western, and that kind of thing could be a bigger selling point because of the intensity of the experience that, that's being offered up there. I mean, just you just said it. I mean, that's going to be the question mark. And it's going to be the question mark for the Academy as well. Right. It's going to be the question mark for women. It's going to be the question mark for older audiences who don't want to go through something that's too grueling and, and, right. and unpleasant. That's you and I, we are in the zone of people who can appreciate a, completely appreciate a movie like this. Um, even if there are caveats, but, but it's, 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 it, and it, 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 it must be seen by any self-respecting cinephile. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that will be the case as it, as it will be for the hateful eight. Right. But then what we're really wondering is how broad, how wide, how expansive these films will be. Well, that, yeah, that's part of the question just in terms of, of you know, the scope of, of everything, especially when Star Wars comes around and, and uh, you know, threatens Eats the up the entire marketplace. It, it seriously has it that will. power. 
But yeah. then, but then something like Creed is sort of the other end of the spectrum. I mean, yes, it's cinematic, but it's also it's. It's a formula that people have known for 40 years. It is so familiar. It's like putting on an old coat that you love. And yet it's Ryan Coogler is a gifted filmmaker. He really knows what he's doing and he's playing with something. He It was a brilliant idea <laughs> to rejigger this the way he has. It works like a charm. And I have to say it, it's it's effective. It will be commercial. That much I know. <laughs> yeah, and that's opening Thanksgiving weekend, so it's also got a lot of time to kind of get out there, and it's it's family friendly, even though it is you know a fight a fighting movie. It's it's all it could almost be PG when you think about it, just because of, I mean, it's it's just a very accessible kind of drama, but at the same time. You know, somebody like me looks at it and says, "Wow, that's an amazing tracking shot in that last fight there." You know, so it's. But in some ways, it may do. Yeah, exactly. It may do more to um, be a healing uh, experience in, in terms of the racial divide in this country than, say, Chirac. Well, I have Or Chai Rock, or yeah. however you pronounce that. Jerry's still out. I haven't seen that one yet, but you got a chance to, to check it out in the first. Yeah, time it, it's. It's Spike Lee very much in his mode that we know. It's very much um, he's 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 a, he's upset. He's angry. Just it's a, it has the to the do the right thing kind of um, uh, tone uh, to it. It's it's got a little comedic satiric thing going on, and and he considers it to be uh, a satire. And he's he has musical numbers and you know lots of booty you know because it's Liz Estrada and she's giving up. You know, she's persuading her sisters to give up uh, sex and everything. Um, so he's playing with sex. He's playing with their allure, and 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 in to my mind, maybe goes a little far with with the objectification of all these women in 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 the way that he portrays them. But uh, I may be in the minority on picking up on that because most of it is about you know the extraordinary violence in Chicago and how and he uses this story as a as a way in to to you know playing out those those tropes you know how many people are killed and how many people are devastated and and distraught by by what goes on and and the ways that nothing is done about it and and it's very effective in many ways in that in that regard but it's going to be i think limited in a way that creed is not by the challenges of the storytelling he chooses to rhyme everything the entire movie is in rhyme except for one speech by john cusack this, As a minister, I mean, this just sounds so fascinating to me. I just can't wait when you when you throw in all those ingredients. I mean, because Spike has always experimented with tone and and with various modes of storytelling. I mean, his second, you know, third movie, School Days, was a, was a musical. Bamboozled was a satire that only gets better with age. In the last few years, he hasn't made a movie on this scale. Amazon seems to have given him the resources to make a, a, a somewhat bigger movie and, and stylistically it sounds That's like... That's what he... It's totally true. And and stylistically, you know, he goes to town. Yeah, but you'll see it. You will you will, you will see it. And uh, whoever didn't get you into an early screening <laughs> should be, you know, drawn and quartered. Shame. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, there's so much stuff that we're cramming into the end game here. We just sent out our invite to 500 critics to vote in our year-end critics poll, and that means that we're going to be sort of 
you know, tracking everybody's participation and, and, and trying to keep everybody on task, but it's so hard to, to cram everything in there. We're fortunate in that we try to keep up with stuff throughout the year. A lot of people try to get to it now. And Oh, there's piles and piles of people. This is, I was just pointing out that, that, that over this holiday, over Thanksgiving, is when all the screeners arrive in en masse and everybody starts plowing through the, the pile. And that's why the spirits are important. You know, groups like that help to narrow the list of things you have to see well the funny thing is that the new york film critic circle is going to vote next week on uh, uh wednesday morning early and uh, that means that i have to take the initiative to try to see anything i think might be taken into consideration there that's not to say that there won't be people at the table who just couldn't work hateful eight into their schedule but you better believe i'm going to go see hateful eight i'm going to see joy i need to have those holes filled because i feel like that's just the only way to to come from some place of authority when making these judgments. Absolutely. And it's just frustrating because a lot of people don't. What about um, what about uh, what's on your list of sort of obscure, you know, things that you missed that you feel obligated to see in the next few days while you have the chance? Gosh, it's it's really tough at this point to figure out what my blind spots are because I just I've been I've been keeping track of stuff for so long and it just it just feels like. I'm more or less on top of it. I mean, there there are things on the. Um, you must there must be some docs and forum films. You I'm have sure seen. there's stuff like that. I mean, I need to rewatch Mustang because I saw it when I was exhausted at the Cannes Film Festival and didn't have the capability to really pass judgment. I, I saw that there was some good stuff there, but you know how it is sometimes at those festivals where you're just so slammed you can't reasonably analyze something. I looked at Sicario a second time for that reason, because I was really down and and out when I saw that at Cannes, and um, what's so funny, I saw a screener, um, I ended up falling asleep at the same part. I I didn't. I stayed awake this time. Well, maybe that's something about the movie. No, 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 it does. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm saying whatever my initial um, uh, assertions were about Sicario, uh, what I recognize this time is that it's beautifully, beautifully made. Incredibly well made. And Deacons is totally going to get nominated. And he should. That's that's the other thing that struck me about seeing Revenant and Sicario in close succession is how powerful the DPs were on both of those films. That they almost have a voice that, that is as loud as the director's voice. I mean, honestly, the, the, the gaps that I need to fill are, are, are mostly, you know, foreign language things, things that in, in my world might be worth celebrating because otherwise nobody even notices. I, I still have not seen a movie that you've been talking about for a while, the Colombian submission Embrace of, a, of the Serpent, which was also a, a spirit nomination today. So I'd like That's to an example to of, a, of you being spurred to see something. Yeah, but. exactly. By you and by my Colombian heritage, which is a rare combo. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say the spirits. Yeah, also- and the spirits. Yeah. Good job, spirits. And and another one that I'm really curious about is Bone Tomahawk, which got a screenplay nomination today. This is a, a bloody western that's not hateful. Eight, so that's and Richard one. Jenkins also. And he got a, an acting, a supporting acting nomination, which is it's always neat to see him sneak into the race one way or the other. So I never heard of that movie. I admit this. It was the closing night entry at the Fantastic Fest uh, film festival this year, and uh, kind of snuck into I think a day and date VOD kind of a thing. So. 
very much under the radar. It's, it's, I liked seeing Maru end up on the doc list, which it also did with the PGA doc nominations, because this was a doc that I loved. So I'm glad it's getting, I think it was an amazing documentary. Speaking of the documentary, actually, I haven't seen Terror, which is uh, with the... I haven't seen that either. So, so we can make that some of our homework. For the next I few caught weeks. up with another climbing documentary, Sherpa, which 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 I underst- I actually liked it a lot, but I also understood why it's not getting all the accolades. You know, Sherpa is interesting because it's sort of like the anti-Everest, where all the Sherpas are background characters. You know, they have this sort of complementary relationship, but nobody's really talking about Everest this time of year either. So it's not like that's a a selling point on its own. I really love that Heart of a Dog is in Best Documentary. That's I'm delighted, documentary. absolutely delighted. At the same time that the one that's moving continues to sort of inexorably move forward and it's being rewarded by everybody is the, lo- the look of silence, which just may be one of those cases where the act of killing was such an amazing movie, didn't win, and now he, he's going to get the, the benefit of that going forward. But, Josh Oppenheimer. But, but Matt Heineman's Cartel and did not make the cut. Which yeah. surprises. Yeah. Surprising. I mean, that was one that was on the Doc NYC shortlist that seemed to play really well. But it's, it's, it does play well. I suspect that you have so many docs, just, just you know that you know reaching a consensus on the best ones that everybody has seen is just extremely difficult. Well, speaking of the whole so many movies or too many movies question, I was thinking about this with this this recent news that the Weinstein Company is going to be scaling back on films, doing something like five or six a year now instead of the much larger slate they've been doing while ramping up TV production. People were making that sound like a real dramatic change. I mean, to me, it just sounds both practical and and smart because I would rather a Weinstein company that's bringing things out that they really want to throw their weight behind instead of getting overwhelmed and screwing over certain movies that they give up on. What's your, I, I agree with you, actually. What, what's, what's really interesting about that is that they have been doing things a certain way for a really long time. And it used to be uh, that they would throw all the spaghetti at the wall and see what stuck. And they could afford to release a lot of movies. And, you know, the ones that really did well were the ones that they could, they could really push in the end. And so, um, I, I've been disturbed by their shift in recent years where they really don't support a lot of their movies. Things like um, the Australian film, the movie Tracks by starring Mia Vazakowska. You know, these are the kinds of, there's many examples, you know, multiple examples of movies that they've just dumped. And in this world that we live in right now, you know, where the marketplace for modest independent films that don't have a lot of traction, um, the you know, the Weinsteins used to be able to throw money at those movies and make them work. Right. And now they're realizing they can't pull that off. It's not a viable business model. And they're changing their business model. The idea that they're going to TV is hugely depressing to me. But it's, it, they also have investors, they have a board, they have people who have put a lot of money into the company who are pressuring them. Right. I'm not sure this is what they want. But I mean, the whole TV thing, it almost just seems like it's, a, it's just a foundation. I mean, these, it's not like they, they haven't done TV in the past, Project Runway, all that kind of stuff. If anything, it just allows them to, to have a foothold in the industry that seems to be more readily available for this kind of work right now. And then you find the movies you can actually get behind in a different kind of way, and that makes them stand out better. I think Carol would, is a perfect kind of movie to get that sort of treatment, and it's nice that it's 
getting they're it. doing a beautiful job with carol and they knew what they had and they knew they could make it work just as they did with the artist in its given year they knew exactly what they were doing and it's all going to pay off but they can't have you know they it's obvious to them and it's obvious to other people that there's not there's not going to be more than half a dozen of those for them to get their hands on in a given year. I suspect what they'll do is end up doing co-productions and bringing in partners and they'll have more movies and they'll acquire some and blah, blah, blah. You know, it'll probably end up being more, more than five movies. I mean, say whatever you want about those guys. At least they're still out there swinging for trying to be competitive in an industry that a lot of people are giving up on. So. Well, they, you know, they may have abandoned their strategy too late and they may have thrown too much money away, you know, over the years. You know, you have to pay the piper eventually, you know. So Thanksgiving's coming up, which is why we're doing this a little bit earlier than we usually do. And that's always a nice excuse to get cheesy for a moment um, and talk for just a, a, a minute or two here about what we're thankful for because, I mean... There, there's so much that we end up trying to, to address from a critical perspective. You know, what's wrong with this business? Why, is, why are the people with the most amount of money, you know, sort of driving things in directions we don't agree with, et cetera, et cetera. But there's, there's lots of stuff that I think we can celebrate, that we can feel good about. So, Anne, what would you say going into Thanksgiving weekend you're feeling most thankful for as, as far as the, the film world is concerned? I would say that there are a number of idiosyncratic, entirely independent, um, you know, crazy visionaries, if you like, people who just don't listen to what you're supposed to do or follow the leader or uh, play by the rules. And, you know, you could, uh, we, we named a lot of them today, anybody from Charlie Kaufman to, you know, George Miller to Spike Lee to Inaritu, you know, the, the, you know, you've got to celebrate there, you know, now with him, with Inaritu, we wonder if the ends justify the means in some cases, but, but in this case in the arctic wastes but but he he's an amazing filmmaker and and doesn't do it the way you're supposed to and and there's something to celebrate uh there um and i think there are plenty of other examples of that well that i mean that all makes a lot of sense i'm i'm similarly thankful for a, a lot of ways that the film industry keeps searching for showcasing its its best Material and the Tangerine stories is a terrific example of that. But there, there are many others. I mean, I, I was so happy to to see Heaven Knows What get some traction in the fall season. A movie like James White still being in the conversation. And just, just the sense that it's not just about all these sort of ephemeral, ephemeral variables like how do you come up with a viable distribution model, but just how do you get these movies noticed? How do you celebrate them? So at least we can just sort of remember hey, we're all in this because we like these things, not just because we want to make money off of them. And whatever happens around the corner, I got my VR goggles you know, equipped and ready to go when, whenever that happens. But for the time being, there's still some value in being a cinephile. You know, I have uh, the, the restoration of Out One saved in my Vimeo and, and hoping to make some time to, to watch that in the near future. I mean, there's just there, there's still value in being a film person and Hopefully our conversations are reflecting that as well. Well, I would add Tarantino to my list uh, yes. as well. I mean, he is the ultimate independent 
Maverick, writing and directing his own movies, not listening to any other voices but his own, and delivering every single time, you know, always. It almost makes me feel emotional to sort of celebrate Quentin for that. It's okay. You can be emotional about Quentin Tarantino. Because that's so unusual. It just is. And the Weinsteins deserve credit for being his patron. You cannot describe it any other way. I mean, you got Tarantino, you got Todd Haynes, there's a new Michael Moore movie. All All those guys who we've been talking about from 20 years, I mean, they're killing it in different kinds of ways. They're still out there. They're still producing things that people are talking about. And maybe that's kind of the prevailing story of the year on some level. I agree. Their their survival. So next week, we have so much crammed into the first half, and and we'll we'll be talking through all of it. But uh, right now, we just need to go hang out with our families and uh, take it easy, work through those screener piles. And, uh, you know... Soon enough, we'll have a whole bunch more to to figure out this award season. Happy turkey. Right back at you.